Okay, we are here. We are ready to go. I hope you're ready to go. Because when it comes to studying the Word of God, we want to be alive. We want to be ready. We want to be sharp. And that's what we're going to be today, right here on New Hope Radio. Now, without answering, think about the people in your life and ask yourself if you have any favorites. Just think about that. Do I have any favorite people in my life? Hmm. I would say that you probably have. You might have a favorite friend, right? Call them best friends. A favorite uncle? You have a favorite uncle? How about a favorite ice cream? <laughs> I, I, I get a favorite ice cream. All of them. Hopefully, you do not have a favorite child. That's no good. No. you got to love them all the same. You know that. Well, God is different from us. You know why? He has no favorites. He has none. We're going to see today, God has no favorites. That's good news for us. Because you or I might not be a favorite. <laughs> so I'm glad he doesn't have any. Now, last time we were together, we began a series entitled Roman Gems. And what we're doing, we're going through Paul's letter to the Romans. And we're going to dig up some of the memorable and impacting gems that he shared with the recipients of the letter. And my hope and my dream and desire and prayer is that we would be impacted as well. We began noting last time, and these are three good things to remember. That God revealed himself to mankind in three different ways. If you can remember these three ways, you'll do okay. Number one, he revealed himself to mankind in the creation. Oh yeah, the divine design, all done by God. Number two, he impressed knowledge of himself on every person's heart. And number three, he has given us spiritual and natural laws. The natural laws that we live by in this world, like gravity, and the laws we have to abide by if we're going to grow crops, and then spiritual laws, moral laws, so we can have healthy relationships and healthy societies. So there are three ways that God has revealed himself to us, and that's why he said, you're without excuse. Everyone is without excuse to believe in God. There's no excuse. We noted all of that in Romans chapter 1. Today we enter into Romans chapter 2. And here's where we discover another gem. God has no favorites. And we see this play out in verse 1. Paul is going to give a wake-up call to the Jews. And the wake-up call is... That God is not partial to anyone. That he has no favorites. Here's what he said. Therefore, you have no excuse, every one of you who passes judgment. For in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice 
the same things. Man, is that true or what? (laughs) I think so. In other words, you have to be perfect to judge someone else. To judge someone else means to condemn them, to pass a sentence upon them. Now, what we can do, we can evaluate one another, but you can't condemn one another. In verse 2, Paul said, We know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. So, God will judge the judges. (laughs) He will. God will judge the judges. Those that judge others, God will judge them. Now, let's get some background to understand this. The Jews of the first century, because they were Jewish, they stood in judgment of the Gentiles. You know, they figured their Jewishness brought them closer to God, and the Gentiles, oh, they were far from God. They were lost in sin. Hey, we're the chosen people. We're the Jewish people of God. We're close to God. You're not. You're not close to God. You're Gentile. You were born in the wrong family. You can't be close to God. Well, Paul is dealing with that. That's why he said, wait, you have no excuse, every one of you, who passes judgment. See, they have knowledge of God. They should have known better. They should have known, wait a minute, we don't have the right to judge others, to condemn others, because by knowing God, we've learned not to do that. It's amazing the things we learn when we know God. There's a difference between saying we know God and knowing God. I think more people might know about God than know God, because when you know God, then you know what God expects. So Paul is saying, yes, God will judge those who sin, but wait a minute, do you sin too? And then you pass judgment on those who also do sin? Huh, is that right? Does that make sense? You sin, but you pass judgment on those who do too. And that's why he said in verse 3, Do you suppose this, O man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things, and do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? <laughs> Paul, 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 Paul's giving him a wake-up call. He's saying, listen, the things you condemn the Gentiles for, you do those things too. So, rather than look at Jew and Gentile for the sake of this message, let's call this the great divide between the religious and the irreligious. By religious, I mean those who consider themselves followers of God, they go to church, and then the irreligious who, eh, I don't need church, I don't care about that stuff. Okay, so human sight, we see a difference. Divine sight, God sees no difference, none at all. So again, let's go back to verse 1, let's dig up this gem. He said, you have no excuse. In other words, you are indefensible. There is no defense against this charge that God is making. And what's the charge? You churchgoers, you religious people, you're making an appraisal of another person's character, forming a judgment and condemning them. The judgment is one of condemnation. 
And what you're doing, you're putting yourself in a place that you say is better because you go to church. And you're judging those that don't go to church, but you do the same thing they do. But you don't condemn yourself. You're passing judgment on the irreligious and condemning them, but you do the same things. See, if you're going through life with your eyes open, you've probably noticed the sins in the church are the same as the sins in the world. Have you noticed that? That people in the church commit the same sins as the people in the world. Let's be honest now, right? People in the world lie. They tell lies. People in the church tell lies, right? People in the world cheat. You know there are people in the church? They cheat. People in the world steal. There are people in the church that steal. Some rob the offering. People in the world commit adultery. There's a lot of people in the church that commit adultery. Pastors with their secretaries. This couple with that, this guy with that gal, that gal with this guy. You know, and they excuse it. They, they make excuses why it's okay. People in the world abuse drugs. You know, people in the church abuse drugs. And the list goes on and on and on and on. That's why we church people, we're never in a place that we can condemn someone else for their sins because we do the same things. Not that every one of us commit all those sins, but you know what? We're all imperfect. That's my point. We're all imperfect. So Paul is saying to these people, you think by being Jewish, you're excused. Just because you're Jewish, that it's okay for you to commit those sins, and it's okay for you to judge those that commit those sins. Well, let me bring it up to date. You think by being religious or by going to church that you're excused. Oh, because you're born again. It's okay. God won't judge your adultery. Or God won't judge your cheating or your lying or your stealing. He won't judge because you're, you're one of his. That's what the Jews were thinking. They made the same mistake. Or because you go to your church, maybe your church is the best church in the world, and you think because you go to your church, you're excused. See, we're not. this is a wake-up call for all of us folks. We're not talking about the one who sins. We're talking about the one who judges the one who sins. That's what Paul is dealing with in Romans chapter 2. Later on, We'll get to this in chapter 9. Paul said in verse 6, They are not all Israel who are descended from Israel. Oh, and what he's going to say is, everybody that's born Jewish is not necessarily a child of God. And he'll deal with that. It's by faith, not by flesh, that anybody becomes a child of God. It's not by the first birth, but by the second birth that anybody becomes a child of God. That's why Nicodemus, when he met with Jesus that time by night, he couldn't fathom that being born again was was his spiritual entry to God. Why? Because he was Jewish. 
When Jesus said, you must be born again, he's like, what? I'm a Jew. Now, I understand. Gentiles have to be born again because they're lost. But I'm a Jew. I'm not lost. I'm God's chosen. I'm God's people. I don't understand. How how am I going to be born again? Do I have to go back in my mother's wombs? It wasn't even on his radar to be born again. It was so far removed from him. He couldn't even accept it. Because why? He thought by being Jewish, that's all he needed. He thought his natural birth put him in a right standing with God. No one's natural birth puts them in a right standing with God. It has to be a spiritual birth, the second birth, being born again. Now, here comes a revelation, verse 4. And this is really good. And Paul, you know, I like the way he balances his letter. He said, Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? He's saying, listen, look at the good qualities of God, what they can do for you. Do you think lightly of God's kindness? To think lightly is the word kata, which means down, and the word freneo, which means to exercise the mind. So it means to think down on something. We would use the modern word despise. Do you despise what? The kindness of God? Do you disguise the riches of his kindness? And do you despise his tolerance and his patience? Do you? See, God is wealthy in patience. Amen. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> He's wealthy in tolerance. There's another amen. Thank you, Lord. He is. He's wealthy in kindness. That means, oh, he's got a lot to go around. You know how much he has? He has enough for the whole world. I like that. God has enough kindness, patience, and tolerance for the whole world. And that's good. Because the whole world needs it. Oh, yes. So Paul is saying, do you look down on God's riches of his kindness and his tolerance and his patience? The fact that God extends that to the Gentiles? Do you look down on that? Because I want to tell you something. He also extends it to you. You know, the grace that gives people far from God I mean, the grace that God gives people far from him, he gives to people close to him too. He's a graceful God. Everybody gets this grace. For the grace of God has appeared to all men, right? All people. And what is that grace? It's the Lord Jesus. It's the, the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. So don't we need these attributes of God? Don't we need God to be wealthy in his kindness, in his gentleness, in his tolerance, in his 
Patience taught us. See, this is the kindness or the gentleness that Jesus demonstrated in John chapter 8. That scene, they dragged that poor woman. They said she was caught in adultery. And they were ready to kill her. Oh, you know, they said, Jesus, the law says, stone such a person. And Jesus said, oh, that's right. It does. So any of you that have never sinned, you throw the first stone. One by one, they all walked away. I give them credit. I, (laughs) I give those people credit that they weren't so arrogant that they didn't even see their own sin. Because some people are like that. Some people are so arrogant and prideful, they don't see their sin. They don't see it. I mean, there's probably been times when I didn't even see mine. And then later on, I'm like, oh, what a jerk. I can't believe I thought that or said that or did that. Sometimes we don't see our sin right away. And it takes reflection. It takes thinking about it. It takes the Holy Spirit to show us. But you know what? That's where God has grace and kindness and tolerance and patience. So it's good. Because in our own failures, God still doesn't deprive us of the best that he has. He's still patient toward us. So God, Paul is saying to the Jewish people, do you despise this? Do you despise the fact that God has, oh, you know what tolerance is? Self-restraint. To hold back. That God holds back judgment. You know why? Because he gives the opportunity and the space to repent. And I'll tell you what, we really need that one. I know I need that one because there have been times, like I said, we don't see our need for repentance right away. And then we think about it maybe that night or the next day, and it's like, oh, I can't believe it. Or maybe we read a scripture, and it sheds light on our behavior. And we think, oh, man. Did you ever think you were right and discover you were wrong? (laughs) I've had those times in my life. Oh, man, I bet everything I had, I was right in that situation. And then much later on, maybe even years later, as you grow spiritually, I look back, I go, oh, I was wrong. I was dead wrong. And all I can say is, oh God, thank you for the riches of your grace. Thank you that you are wealthy in patience and kindness and tolerance. Oh, thank you that you didn't consume me at that moment. See, God's patience is his long-suffering. This is the power to avenge but refuses to do so. See, God has the, the righteousness the authority to judge everybody. But he doesn't. He refuses to. Why? He's giving us space to repent. And just because God hasn't yet executed judgment, well, don't think he cannot. I don't think he will not. Right? Didn't Peter say something like that? Didn't Peter say, hey, listen, Don't count God's patience as slowness. 
Don't think because he hasn't judged, he's not going to judge. But he's given people time. He's given people opportunity that more would be saved. So God is rich in these things. Don't despise them. When we see people in sin, I know it's hard. We want, we want to like, oh God, go get them. We want a sick God on them, like a big German shepherd. Go get them. But don't forget, he's tolerant with us. He's tolerant with you. He's very tolerant with me. And he's tolerant with them. God is rich in his patience and kindness. So don't despise it. Because it's for the irreligious. Hmm. So Paul is saying, listen, God has these qualities for you Jewish people, but he's also got them for the Gentiles. He's got them for all people. Don't take the mercy of God as an invitation to sin, just because you may be religious or go to church. Don't take God's grace. What did Paul say at another time? He said, where grace abounds, sin I mean, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound, right? There's always more sin, more grace for sin. But don't use your God's grace as a license to sin. Bring yourself under control. So this is different. This is different. You know, it's, it's easy for people that walk with God to be judgmental toward those that don't. And we can all do that. We don't like the way somebody looks. We don't like the way somebody speaks. We don't like the way they act. And we can become condemning of them. And maybe we need to step back and think, God, I know you love them and they're bad right now, but you're giving them space to repent. That's why you're not judging them right now. You're giving them an opportunity, just like you gave to me, to repent. And get right. See, when you go to church, a lot of messages are directed to the irreligious. In other words, do this, don't do that. But Paul is addressing the religious, the churchgoer. And he's saying, don't despise the wealth of God's kindness, the wealth of God's tolerance and patience. The fact that he is gentle with you when you sin he holds back, right? He holds back punishment. So you'll repent, and basically, God puts up with you. <laughs> he puts up with all of us. And I've done things, and God didn't discipline me. But that didn't make me want to go out and do it again. It made me like, whoa, I got lucky on that one. I got to get right. I got to fix it. That's what we should do. That's our response. So don't judge the irreligious, because here's the thing. God has no favorites. He's not partial with anyone. God doesn't look at the world and say, well, I like that one, but I don't like that one. That's my favorite. Oh, but you, I don't like you at all. And some people think God is like that, and he's not. There is no partiality with God. And that's good. He treats us all the same. That Jesus died for the sins of who? The whole world. 
He said, whoever believes may be saved. He doesn't say the nice people, the good people, the ones I like. Whoever. Anybody and everybody has that opportunity for salvation. That's the wealth of God's kindness and goodness and patience and tolerance. Oh, we need to hear more about those positive attributes of God. Because you know what I find them? I find them motivating to want me to be right. They make me want to be right in gratitude and appreciation toward him and who he is. Now, next time we're together, we're going to take a look at chapter 3, and there's another gem that we can dig up. We're going to see that our justification comes by faith. Now, some of these things, if you've been around Christianity for a while, you know them, but I'll tell you what, you know what my thought is? I want to keep hearing what I know over and over and over. I do. You know why? Because I want to know it backwards, forwards, inside, and out. I want to be in a place spiritually where I don't doubt any of the Word of God. Because that's Satan's number one weapon. Oh, yeah. Doubt. His number one weapon is to get us to doubt something that God has said. So join me next time when our justification comes by faith. Listen, have you joined or found, I want want to present to you the Hope Club podcast. And podcasts are up and coming. And you know why? Because you can listen to a podcast while you're driving your car, while you're sitting in the waiting room at lunchtime. The Hope Club podcast is 28 minutes long. That's it. It's our radio show. 28 minutes long. And you can go to iTunes and subscribe, and you'll get a notification every time we're live. You can go to Spotify and hit follow and get a notification. And of course, you can go to our website as well. Oh, and what is our website? (laughs) Newhopecc.tv You scroll down, all of our messages are there. But if you go to iTunes and Spotify, if you have those downloaded, every time we make a podcast, boom, you get notified. And you'll have it. And what better way? Probably the average ride to work is about 25 minutes, 28 minutes. What a great way to go to work. Listen into the Hope Club podcast and then maybe catch one coming home as well. Sitting in the waiting room, how boring is that? At the dentist, at the doctors, wherever you're waiting, boring, bring your headphones, bring your device, listen to a podcast. Okay, check that out. Thanks for coming along today. I will see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.